When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hockey fans, are you ready to brave the wild? With me, your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Brave the Wild is available on all of your favorite podcasting apps and also on the Hockey Podcast Network, THPN. I thank Dylan and Kyle so much for having me on board that awesome page and network. Coming in out of the Vancouver, British Columbia, the team we beat 10-7 to this past week somehow by some crazy... Uh, circumstances, I suppose. We'll take it. Um, I thank each and every one of you once and always for downloading and listening to this show. It is a great pleasure to be back on board with you once again today. The sun is shining here in Golden Valley, Minnesota. Uh, as for the wild, I'd say it's, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, sometimes it's a nice clear sky. The next time it's a storm. The next time it's partly cloudy. And then other times it's just that obnoxious gray mist that never stops. And it's just depressing and boring. But, uh, well, the past week was fairly entertaining, I'd have to say. Though, unfortunately, at the end of the day, how many points did the Wild get out of six? Three. I don't know. Um, well, but the Wild are somehow within uh, <laughs> within two points of a possible uh, final wild card position. Yay. I, I don't know. I mean, it'd be, it's like, I, I get it, the whole feel-good side of it, but at the same time, is it really fruitful for the Wilds' future? Not necessarily. I, I don't really want to pick 20th in the draft anymore. Uh, it'd be nice to pick higher. I don't know, but it's kind of like their whole too-good-to-tank type of deal. Yes, there's talented players on the team. It's just kind of, we're stuck in mediocrity. It sounds just like the Vikings. Uh, thankfully, the Timberwolves are not. Hopefully, they continue to remain number one in the Western Conference. Check out Timberwolves Explosion tomorrow or last week's show or 10 years ago, whatever, because they've been around forever, <laughs> just like this one. Um, yeah, Vikings, Twins, whatever, kind of stuck around mediocrity forever. So we'll have to wait and see how that, I don't know. Uh, then again, I guess we're all tired of waiting and seeing, aren't we? I think we're all tired of that. Drafting well is a big part. That's the paramount. You could have the fifth pick in the draft and he could be an absolute bust. Or the fourth pick in the draft and be a glorified third liner who uh, we were hoping was going to be top-line talent, and he wasn't. So uh, look up Benoit Puglia for that one. And uh, A.J. Thalen, oh boy, didn't even come close. Couldn't even make the AHL. <laughs> Kicked off his college team. Amazing stuff. Top five, uh, top ten picks. So obviously there's that possibility. But I like my chances. Picking high, maybe you can get, uh, an, you know, I mean, maybe you can get another Rossi. Maybe you can get, uh, you know, whoever. You can get the Danilo Yurovs of the world and continue to pick high. Uh, l- luckily, in that case, the Wild may have gotten super fortunate picking in the lower half of the first round. I'm putting my foot in my mouth. Let's just keep going. 
Well, the Wild beat, uh, well, the Wild lost to Buffalo when they should have won the game. They just kind of coughed it up at the end to a familiar foe who, unfortunately for him, didn't, the goal didn't count for him, but still, he was there at that crucial moment. The Buffalo Sabres, the Wild lose to the Buffalo Sabres for the 500th time in franchise history, or at least it feels like it, and, I don't know, maybe the 400th time in, like, some kind of last-second crazy, strange goal, like, weird angle, like Jason Pominville years ago. Who could forget that one? Nice goal and everything, but it was like the oddest, craziest angle. Like really, that that really, really, man, or what, what, or what have you. Like this one, the Wild were winning forever. They blow the lead with 30 seconds left, and then um, yeah, so on and so forth. And then you have the craziest game ever. We're getting our asses handed to us by Vancouver. Suddenly, we're handing their ass to them because they're in the penalty box like every 10 seconds, like a bad uh, video game or something. Like up oh, another penalty, up oh, another penalty. Two-man advantage, two-man advantage, two-man advantage. It just kept happening, and the Wild kept uh, scoring, and it was entertaining as heck. And then, unfortunately, though, you had to pull Gustafson because he sucked major something, swear words. He sucked. He just sucked. Uh, he was terrible. And, yeah, I don't think that helped going into Winnipeg. You know, you have Fleury, who had to play uh, the third period against Vancouver, and uh, and he got, you know, beat early and often against the Winnipeg Jets. Plain and simple. It was kind of like a continuation of the uh, first two periods of the Vancouver game in a lot of ways. Kind of was, wasn't it, though? Was, wasn't it kind of like that? It was like a continuation. Like, we're just picking up where we left off. You know, like, you just go ahead and kick our butts, and that's pretty much what happened. It's depressing. But, um, yeah, the Wild get three out of six possible points. Wahoo. Three games to review, three games to preview. Edmonton, Seattle, a little West Coast swing. Well, kind of West Coast. Edmonton's mountain time zone, Seattle's. I keep... That <laughs> I keep calling it West Coast with Edmonton, but well, it's west of here, isn't it? <laughs> Edmonton Oilers, yes, the team that's you know looking a little better now, and they're actually the favorites to win the Stanley Cup. But uh, yeah, they haven't even won a conference final game since uh, what year? 19, uh, yeah, it was in the 1900s. No, nope, no, 2000s, 2006. Pardon me, I'm never gonna stop. Am <laughs> I Seattle Seahawks, who I picked to go to the Western final this year? Yeah, whoops. <laughs> whoops. Seattle Seahawks, Seattle Kraken, and then the <laughs> Carolina Hurricanes on Tuesday next week. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> well, we might go one and two in that group. So all this talking about making the playoffs, I agree with what Jesse Pierce had to say on, uh, what do they call it, that show? Uh, Judd's Hockey Show, of course. Um, she basically said, I don't give a bleep about making the playoffs because, yeah, they're not going to do anything and... I don't know. Keep on losing. What the hell? You know, get the get the higher pick. That type of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 the sad truth. I mean, even if it's slightly higher, that's good for us, I suppose. And playoff experience is nice, but unfortunately, it's just we're kind of stuck with a bunch of veterans. And I know we're gonna keep rehashing that a thousand times over until uh, well, until that approach is uh, changed. I hope. One of these days, one of these decades, yeah. Let's just let's just trade another third round pick for some like fourth line center that's not even worth diddly squad. Remember how Risebro used to do stuff like that at the trade deadline? Oh goody, we got Chris Simon. Oh, or, or wasn't there a guy named Poe or something we got years ago in the early days of Chuck Fletcher? And I was like, that was a third round pick, wasn't it, that we gave up for like a fourth line center? Huh. So anyhow, I'm babbling way too much. We'll see what the Wild do in the trade deadline. I just, I don't know what the hell. Buffalo Sabres, 3-2. to two. And, of course, I have, you know, general topics with the show. I don't want to make this like a big game review fest like I tend to do at times. Um, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll get to that when we get to the Vancouver game. That's kind of the main topic. Kind of a, that's kind of our feature presentation. Hint, hint. Big spoiler, I'm sure. Three to two loss to the Buffalo Sabres in OT. And it's just, you just knew. You just knew. And of course, it, it had to be Jordan Greenway, you know, who was involved in the goal. Unfortunately for him, it did not count. Kirk's cousin, I mean Dylan cousin, scored, Dylan Cousins scored his 11th goal of the year, kind of forcing it in at the last second off of off of Jordan Greenway's uh, stick, ultimately, in a scrum in front of the net with about, you know, 30-some seconds remaining, 37, I guess, officially, much to all of our chagrin, 36, I don't know, it's weird, 30, 35 point something, <laughs> it doesn't matter, close enough. Um, they tie the bleeping game up. All of us are, you know, irate and just like that figures. You just know we're going to lose now. You, you just know that. It's like a thousand percent chance. You go into overtime against Buffalo after giving up the lead with that little amount of time remaining. Of course they're going to win. And it was completely frustrating. And it messed up a pretty pretty good performance by um, uh, Philip Gustafson, who unfortunately later in this week is not going to perform well. Like that game, I just, I don't know. It was just not good moments. Casey Middlestad. Uh, opened up the scoring in the third period. Just neither team scored back and forth. There was a goal disallowed by Buffalo due to offsides. Other than that, it was a lot of back and forth and pretty good goaltending, honestly, by uh, Philip Gustafson. The Wild were out playing Buffalo pretty much most of the game. Lukanen was outstanding. It looked like the Wild finally solved him enough in any way to get a 2-1 to victory. And uh, Declan, Declan Christom's, fir- Christom's first <laughs> goal of his career on the power play, putting the puck on net. And he is a good puck mover. Uh, he did create some chances throughout the course of the game. And he will be on the power play. And, okay, maybe he's going to end up replacing Kalen Addison, I guess, in a lot of ways, without being as small. So it's kind of like Faber replaces Addison in one sense. But then again, Addison was here this year. So maybe maybe Chrism kind of replaces Addison in a way. And he's not as small. So, yeah, he's like, what, six foot one. So he's kind of like medium big, you could say. He's, he's not tiny. Uh, Jules Eriksenak, of course, opened up the wild scoring tie in the game up with a 25th goal of, his, uh, of the season. And there's some interesting conversation I'm going to bring up uh, here. And also, it's going to continue into fan interaction about who's the greatest uh, center in franchise history. I just said his name. It's Jules Eriksenak. It is. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov's 31st assist along the way. Rossi had a really good week as well, though, for the most part. Um, <laughs> it's kind of sad, though. Certain players who didn't factor in that crazy, crazy effort against the uh, Vancouver Canucks. We're going to get to that in a second. I keep going back and forth. <clears throat> but uh, Joki Haru uh, well, ended up getting the puck on net. I'm probably saying it incorrectly. Hogan, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, that's a tough one. Third goal of, the, of his season. Um, I don't know. You, you felt like, you know, like the goalie, you felt like Gustafson would have enough <clears throat> sight on that one, but it was a well-placed puck, to be fair. It was well-placed. It was a well-placed shot. Like, I wish I could shoot like that, you could say. Maybe there's a little luck involved. I'm sure there was. But at the end of the day, the Wild ended up losing in overtime after uh, of Henry's shot, we'll just say. Henry J's shot <laughs> to put the Buffalo Sabres in the win column. A team, again, kind of like us in a lot of ways, with a decent amount of talent, but they're not winning. You know, they're just not. <clears throat> they're okay. 24, 26, and 4. In fact, that's not okay at all. Below 500 is not okay. Uh, but I suppose, again, I guess keep getting draft picks and keep building up and maybe make some trades, I guess. <clears throat> or Thompson looked like a superstar last year. He certainly dropped off this year, but also has missed some time. Lukanen's been fantastic in net for Buffalo, but it's becoming kind of a wasted effort, unfortunately, with, uh, you know, have <laughs> the goaltender being that good and you're not even above 500. That's a damn shame. 
Alex Tuck always misses time too, and that's annoying. You know, it is what it is, and you traded for Jordan Greenway. What a, that's fantastic. Uh, it's a miracle the Wild got the draft pick they did for that guy. Big and talented, but doesn't utilize his strengths at all. He just doesn't. It's like somebody who, you know, maybe you're a center who plays, you know, yeah, you're in the, an NBA center or power forward who's just awesome down low. But all you want to do is hang up on the, hang around on the three-point line and, and jack up threes all day. Dude, get down and play. What are you doing? That's that's kind of what it's like, almost like with Jordan Greenway. That's kind of like the comparison. You know, kind of like Chris Webb, uh, that guy. He Yeah, he was good, though. I'm just <laughs> messing around, but he could have been better. I'm, let me tell you, uh, Antoine Walker, guys like that, that just, you know, they don't utilize their strengths sometimes, and in, in Jordan Greenway's case, he rarely does whatsoever. Uh, Charlie Coyle was a reference here years ago as well, who we, I don't know, we probably put too much pressure on him, and he was incapable of living up to it, but I don't know, figure it out one way or another. Live up to the hype or, uh, you know, put the guy in a position to succeed one way or another if it's going to the third line. <sighs> Whatever. Classic wild, right? Vancouver Canucks, 10-7. to Minnesota. Franchise history right there. 10 goals is the most we ever had. I believe we had 8 goals previously. It was an awesome game. I still remember the 8-goal game, but, uh, well, that's in the rearview mirror now because of uh, historic numbers <laughs> in this one. This, a 6-goal stretch that... Uh, too bad it wasn't in the Stanley Cup final in, uh, whatever, 91 or something, or maybe just us being in the Stanley Cup final now, and we're up two or three games to one, and we have a stretch like that. And it's like, oh my God, we really are going to win the Cup. Uh, instead, it was Pittsburgh doing it to the Minnesota North Stars in 91. In game four, after a momentum-building, oh my God, we might actually win the Stanley Cup this year by uh, against all odds against this crazy team who's got 99 superstars on it. But then there was a four goals, the fastest four goals in uh, final history, in, in finals history, and it was just mm, devastating after that. Pretty much Pittsburgh slaughtered the uh, North Stars after that. It was de- depressing. Games four, five, and six. <sighs> well, just, it is what it is. Those of you that are old enough to remember, well, you probably heard it in my voice just now. You probably did. Yeah, you probably did. <laughs> uh, Marco Rossi, though, did... Uh, record an assist versus Buffalo, so he has a bit of a point streak started now after being cold for quite a while. He did he did factor in the onslaught. He joined the party, so to speak. My goodness. Um, Vancouver was kicking the Wilds' ass. It's plain and simple, especially when Ian Cole opens up the scoring 2-1. to one. First shot of the game, second shot of the game, JT Miller. And it's like, well, it doesn't look like it's our night. We're going to lose like 7-1 to one or something tonight. Jewel Erickson Eck, the best center in wild history. I said it again, 26th goal of, of the season. Miko Cuevo's career high in goals, 22. Yep, that's all, you know, I mean, that's not all you need to know, but that's, you know, that's something. That's, you know, that's pretty notable. Already 26 goals. What day was it? What, February 20th, 2019th uh, or something? So it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, yep, I think uh, Jules Erickson-Eck is in pretty good territory when it comes to being the best center in wild history. I don't think it's that crazy to talk about. Matt Boldy had a wild and crazy game. What did he have? Four points on the night. It was absolutely fun. Um, the wild would fall down to five to uh, five to two in the game. JT Miller recording a hat trick already to make it five to two. It was already a hat trick for JT Miller. He was the first guy to get a hat trick, so it was a hat trick of hat tricks in the game because there were three players that had a hat trick, so I guess you could put it that way. Boldy finally getting his 20th goal of the season. I you know I'm just, <laughs> it's like, 
you think Boldy should be the guy with 25, 26, 27 goals, 28 goals, but maybe later, I guess, as the season progresses, he'll get there. Drew Larkson-Eck might get 40 goals this year, and he's on pace to do so. What is he on pace for? Uh, 76 points and 43 goals, so pretty sick, or 42 goals, whatever it is, but 76 points. That's awesome. Koivu did get 71 once. One thing with Koivu, he couldn't stay healthy, it seemed like at times, and when he did, it's like it seemed like whenever he was healthy, he wasn't as good, and then he'd have these spectacular years, and that's when he'd get hurt. And it's like, damn it. Anyway, so that kind of seemed to be the story of Koivu's career in a lot of ways. Other than, yes, he was the captain, and he was respected, and he was great in the face-off circle, except when it mattered most, it seemed like, at times. But I guess that's Minnesota sports more than Koivu being bad, I guess, at the end of the day. But um, the penalties started happening for the Vancouver Schmucks, and they became the Schmucks. They went from a, a great Western Conference team, coached by uh, Rick Tockett, who's doing a great job, to the Schmucks. And uh, they were Schmucks, because it was power play after power play after power play after power play after power play. Ah, and it was uh, very entertaining. It was the fastest six goals in, like, what, like 20, 26 years or something crazy like that. So, um, absolutely sick. Uh, it's crazy to think the scoring opened up with Matt Zuccarello, of all people. But, okay, good for him. Tenth goal of the year. You think of him as more of a passer. But he was playing with Kaprizov and Jules Erickson-Eck in that case. But generally speaking, the main top line has been Eck, Boldy, and Kaprizov. Kaprizov, yes, sir. Uh, Jules Erickson-Eck again did get his 26th goal earlier, but he would wind up getting to 27 and, 20, and 28 during this flurry that just kind of kept happening. And I'm not talking about Marc-Andre. It was a flurry. Though we would need Marc-Andre flurry in the third period after going down 5-2, to two, ultimately 5-3, to three after Zuccarillos would score in the second period. And then that third period was just a blast. It was so much fun. Uh, Jules Erickson Eck with one-timers in the game, with one-timers and nice centering passes from Zuccarillo in both cases would end up finishing 20, uh, to, <laughs> finishing on both of those. Kaprizov also a great play from, uh, again, Zuccarillo racking up the assists in the game like crazy. Uh, or was it even a great play? Yeah, it, it was good. It was a really good play. Uh, nicely timed pass. Kaprizov with the uh, um, one-timer on the shot, and you could read his lips saying, let's go. Like, we tied the game up just like that. It was just, like, so quick. Less than two, <laughs> less than a minute and a half into the third period, the game was already tied. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely nuts. <laughs> 21 seconds later, that was Jules Eriksson again, the centering pass from Zuccarello and releasing on a, you know, a bit of a wrister shot. It would finish. Marco Rossi would again factor in. Lucchini would get his first assist on the season from Vinny Latari as well. So he's been playing with the Latinos. Sound the heck, they all sound like uh, Latinos. Like Rossi can also sound Latino, doesn't it? I mean, it looks like. Uh, did I say Latino? Italian. It also sounds Italian when you put it together. But of course, Rossi is us, uh, from Austria. But um, it just rolls off your tongue. Roste, Lachini, and Latari. It's kind of a fun line together, but I don't think those are permanent line mates for Marco Rossi long term because that's kind of a third or fourth line kind of group there, I'd have to say. Kind of. No offense. I mean, Latari and Lachini have been wonderful, and I think a lot of people would rather have them uh, playing instead of uh, Freddie Goudreau and uh, Marcus Johansson at this stage. I don't think a single person would even complain about it. Marcus Johansson, you know, I mean, obviously the talent's there, but he's not utilizing it for the 99th time, you know? How many players can we mention on that list? You could go on all day with that. Uh, obviously, you know, yeah, Goudreau has done pretty much nothing the whole damn season. 
and everyone's like, you know, bored to death with the nonsense. We are. We're absolutely bored to death with it. Kaprizov would get his 22nd goal. Boldy, yeah, that was a lot of fun, making it 8-5. to five. It's just, It was just an absolute crush. <laughs> absolutely beautiful. Five goals in 5 minutes and 12 seconds. And ultimately, six goals in less than six minutes. That is just ridiculous. Absolutely. <sighs> it was fun. It was a lot of fun to watch. Unfortunately, it's just one game, and it wasn't a playoff game. It wasn't a cup final game. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. It wasn't the final game of the season trying to squeeze into the playoffs and, oh, we're the greatest thing ever until we get beat by beaten five games by the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, I know. It's not being negative. It's just being honest. That's all it is. Um of course, of course, Vancouver would find the back of the net two more times in the game after that. After that flurry, as Vancouver would definitely play a lot better after that. They'd finally kind of gather themselves and actually almost still won the hockey game, And if you can believe it. Um, the fact of the matter is the Wild gave up seven goals in this game. It was a mess. It was a bleeping mess. And there's no doubt about that. Just thankfully, Vancouver was a bleeping mess just as much as we were. And the Wild were red hot. Uh, especially, again, being two-man advantage time and again, and capitalizing on the two-man advantage rather than getting stopped like we were so many times in the postseason and every other bleeping time in between along the way. Caprice would get an empty netter with, like, milliseconds left on the clock, releasing the puck and getting it there on time to get his hat trick, where, again, Jules would get his during the flurry, and that felt great. Brodeen would get his fourth goal of the year also on the, or with the empty net to kind of wrap things up as Vancouver still trailed, thankfully. So they had to go empty net at some point and the Wild would get two empty net goals to make it 10 goals, which again is a franchise record. After the flurry, the Wild had already reached the franchise record, but ultimately finally would get it in the time of the empty net. Okay, whatever that was. That came out real weird. But uh, yes, Jules Eriksson is the best center in franchise history as far as I'm concerned. Um... I just think he is. I think the skill level is higher. And in a lot of ways, you'll hear from uh, Derek Velska coming up saying he is, yeah, he's everything we were hoping uh, Quavo would be in a lot of ways. He, he, he really is outside of the phenomenal uh, face-offs. You know, the, the great face-off record. I wouldn't even say phenomenal, but the great face-off record by Jules Erickson Eck. Excuse me, Miko Quavo. That, um, yeah, I mean, Jules, Jules Erickson Eck is everything we were hoping would be in so many ways. Uh, the, the, the playmaking skills are absolutely there, but the goal-scoring skills are absolutely there. And his, you know, he's one of the best defensive forwards in the league. He should be a Selkie candidate. And I think he deserves to get at least one or two of those throughout his career. Um, Drew Lerchenek again on course for 76 points. Kaprizov's on course for about 82. Marco Rossi's up to 48 now, and also that would mean Brock Faber also on course for 48 points on the season. So it's, it's crazy to think that Brock Faber uh, didn't factor at all. He didn't get a single point this week. He didn't get one point in the 10-goal flurry. So that's kind of sad. I, I wish he did. I mean, he was out there, wasn't he? So it's kind of sad. It's a bummer. It would have been nice to see Faber get like, like three points or something in that game. He should have. It's kind of weird. And what's really strange, I, I don't understand. He was... But I suppose he must have been out there for uh, Vancouver goals for this to happen. He was just flat out even. A- absolutely even. No goals, no assists. And even plus minus, of course, no penalty minutes. But he didn't get a single shot on that either. Him being Brock Faber. So it's kind of weird. But the puck kind of was in the hands of the forwards most of the way. It seemed like in this game. More so than the defenseman. 
It just seemed that way pretty much throughout the night. Uh, Christum, no shots on that. So no uh, second goal of his career at the end of the day. Goudreau, not one single shot on goal in a 10-goal game. Not one. Uh, but I suppose it's just funny. And he was 0 for 4, 0 for 3 on the face-off circle as well. That figures. And it's not like Julius X sucks in the face-off circle. 14 and 13. I mean, it's not dominant, but it's okay. At least it's, you know, he, he didn't get his butt kicked, I guess. It's kind of funny when you think about that. But um, only four shots on goal and, and a hat trick. Just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Six points for Julius Eck. Six points for uh, Kirill Kaprizov. Four points for Boldy. Four points for Zuccarello. One goal and three assists for both of those guys, respectively. Um... And after that, it was just a bunch of guys with one point, which is kind of funny. <laughs> it was just one point, mostly. Uh, yeah, Brosi had the one goal. And then Lucini Letary had an assist. Brodeen had one goal. Merrill with an assist. John Bleeping Merrill with an assist. It's kind of funny, too. Because, I mean, even Middleton has, like, been scoring goals this year. He's got a decent number of goals on the season. It's just funny. Of all people, Brodeen and Merrill were the ones that factored with the points. Because Brodeen, obviously, you know, he's kind of been... With with Brock Faber as a partner, he's been kind of uh, sitting back a bit more because Faber's offense has uh, emerged. Obviously, as a lot of us have noticed, so which makes Brodin an even better defensive uh, defenseman. But um, yeah, occasionally Brodin will step up as well. But uh, what a fun, entertaining hockey game at the end of the day. Nice to see Marco Rossi though uh, factoring this week. He also would score twice, twice against the. Winnipeg Jets, which again put him on pace for 48 points on the season. So good for him. And uh, Chrisom does look like a nice find. We'll have to wait and see how that continues. Winnipeg Jets 6-3. to three. I don't know even if I want to talk much about this one. It's just a Debbie Downer. It, it really is. Like, you come off the 10-goal game and all that, but again, like I said, it's like we just kind of picked up right where we left off in the first two periods versus Vancouver. It was like the same junk. That's really what it was. The same junk. That's all. That's all. But at least Rosie scored two goals in the game. Thank you. That's nice. And Kristen would get his second assist as a member of our Minnesota Wild. Freddie Goudreau with his first assist since, like, you know, Thanksgiving, basically. Or no, maybe his second or third, maybe, since about, you know, Thanksgiving. Thank you very much. Eight assists on the season. Oh, boy. And again, it's not the dollar amount, even though $2 million is still $2 million. It's the commitment to Freddie Goudreau. It's the commitment. It's the commitment. What the bleep were they? Yeah. Okay. Can I just play something? <laughs> like, seriously? What the hell were we thinking? Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> what were we thinking, exactly? And, um, I don't know, again, like I said, this the Winnipeg game, what more is there really to say? It's just, this is kind of the perfect game to tell you, okay, the Vancouver game was a lot of fun. It was a feature presentation. It was entertaining. It was beautiful. But, um... This is the wild this year. This is the wild this year. You know, I mean, again, three points out of a possible six. That's all you really need to know. Three points out of a possible six. That's not being negative, and I'm not grasping for straws looking for a, a higher draft pick. I just, why, why the hell not? Why are we chasing something that's kind of like, I don't know, not realistic anyway? It's not. We're not the St. Louis Blues. We may actually have a number one center, and in fact we do, if I'm calling him the best center in franchise history. I would hope he's a number one center in Jules Eriksenek. But at the same time, do we have the pieces to win a Stanley Cup this year? Do we have the pieces to go on a playoff run this year? Uh, the goaltending has been shaky at best. Marc-Andre Fleury's ancient. You know, he's ancient. He's good, 
at times, but he's ancient. Uh, Gustafson's not as good as he was last year. It's quite simple. So we're going to move on and get going here for the second time. The Mike Modano Award winner for this episode is Jewel Erickson Eck, but Kaprizov also is going to share it with him. I guess kind of like a second place version of it, we'll say, because I want it to go more so to Jewel Erickson Eck. What an amazing week. Kaprizov had an amazing week as well, though, let's be fair. The uh, James Shepard Memorial Popcorn Maker deal is Philip Gustafson. I thought he was absolutely bullcrap against Vancouver. And, I don't know, the final goal of the game versus Buffalo wasn't so great either. That was derailing. It, it was truly derailing. And, you know, since I'm not depressed about losing necessarily, uh, you know, e- even though I'm not depressed about losing, you still have to count on who didn't play well. And Gustafson didn't really play all that great this week. He was good against Buffalo, but it didn't end well, that type of thing. And Vancouver, he was dog dookie, to say the least. So with that, we'll take a quick break and come back, preview three games, look at the prospects. Segment number two, time to preview some games. But first, we are going to hear from our sponsor, DraftKings. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything else happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. A couple of entertaining matchups tonight. I, I think I like this one. Ottawa, you know, hosting the Dallas Stars. We're going to look at the... Money line. Let's go with the money line. Dallas Stars minus 162. Ottawa plus one, uh, 136. Red Wings and Avalanche classic matchup back in the good old days in the Western Conference when Detroit was in the Western Conference. Hosting the Avs, or excuse me, the Red Wings are hosting the Avs. Red Wings plus 120. Avalanche plus 142. A couple other notables. Classic matchup here and there. Uh, Vegas and Toronto. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. Uh, Vegas is hosting Toronto. Vegas is minus, again, this is the money line now, minus 115, and Toronto is minus 105. Western Conference, uh, West Coast matchup, Seattle Kraken versus Vancouver Canucks. That's cool. Plus 105, and uh, Vancouver minus 125. That one will be in Seattle. Pivotal game for Minnesota here when it comes to two teams you want to lose, if you really, ah, whatever. (laughs) It's kind of like Shades of 93 when you're hoping the North Stars would hang on. And pull off the miracle of all time, but yeah, sure. Uh, at Los Angeles, the Kings minus 155, Nashville plus 130. Maybe one more just for the fun of it, because just, I don't know, Boston and Calgary, I just, but it, it puts a smile on my face when I see those two, even though Calgary's just blech. At Calgary, uh, the Flames are plus 105, and the Bruins are minus 122. We'll see how things go. So there's some entertaining matchups to uh, look at, possibly. Getting on to uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, as we like to call it. Apologize. Okay. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. New customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? 
Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas... 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after insurance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights. Reserve. So now we return to the... Upcoming games here Friday, 8 p.m. against the ever-surging Edmonton Oilers. And again, a team that won 16 games in a row, and they're only in third place in their division. They were below the Wild or right around with... No, they weren't below us. They were kind of close to where we were. They were having an awful, 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 awful season. And uh, since then, they've been having a pretty damn good one. And they are, again, favored to win the Stanley Cup. But let's at least win our first Western Conference (laughs) final game in how many years? But what would it be? About uh, almost uh, it would be 18 years, right? Yeah, 2006 was when they went to the Cup final and almost won it. Almost, almost. Like they, they almost had Game Six won and they blew it. And the uh, Carolina Hurricanes have won their Stanley Cup. Congratulations to them. Season Series Minnesota 7-4 victory on October 24th. One of our first five wins of the year under Dean Evason, and only five anyway for him, unfortunately. Four to three loss to the surging Oilers. Uh, December the 8th. And now this is the season finale in Edmonton, Alberta. Oilers aren't surging as much lately. 3-2 and two in their last five. They uh, defeated Detroit 8-4. to four. Lost to St. Louis 6-3. Beat Dallas 4-3. Uh, beat Arizona 6-3. And lost at Boston 6-5 in a rematch of the 1990 Stanley Cup Final. That was nice stuff. It was like the two teams that would go to the uh, conference finals only to lose the next two years to uh, the North Stars, and the, the Pittsburgh Penguins would be, beat Boston two years in a row in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Oilers would lose to the North Stars and the Blackhawks, respectively, after that, only to, again, further and further drop off as the Messiah, well, as they called him anyway, Mark Messier went to New York not long after that. And that was the end of the spectacular Oiler, Oilers dynasty as we knew it. Zach Bogosian left Tuesday's game on February the 20th, with an upper body injury. Yep, he got, yeah, they were saying he was noticeably hurt, so that's great. Of course, Spurgeon's out for the year. Felino injured reserve as of Feb 11th. Pat Maroon is expected to be out six weeks as of the beginning of February, or February 5th anyway. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, RNH. Uh, he was out for the game on the 21st versus Boston. Didn't really want to do the 1990 rematch, so I, I'm just messing around. Edmonton's 8th in goals, 10th in goals against, which is pretty good. They Boy, that's good for Edmonton to be 10th in goals against, because believe me, they've had issues in that and defensively, you know, for about 20 years. Okay, 15. Whatever it is, it is. Power play, Edmonton's 4th, Minnesota is 13th, 13th. The Wild are 24th in goals against and 15th in goals. So penalty kill, the Wild are 30th, still awful, but the, the third worst team. Edmonton 16th, that's okay. Power play, the Wild are 13th, if I already mentioned that. Uh, Wild still stink at penalty minutes, but it's getting slightly better. 28th now, so okay. 
it's an improvement. But uh, yes, it's an epic, epic team. Obviously, with talent. Uh, at times, they were they played selfishly in the past, but maybe they're playing more as a team now. I guess, hopefully, for their sake. RNH with 49 points, 15 goals, and 34 assists. Of course, Connor McDavid. Yes, the other Connor. It's crazy to think we're gonna have two McCon- uh, two two Connors possibly leading the league in scoring for the next you know 10 to 15 years or something. Be at least be way up there. So Connor and Connor. That's why the Terminator wanted to get rid of Sarah Connor. Okay, I don't know what I'm talking about. That was a dumb joke. I'm sorry. That was really dumb. 85 points. That was beyond dumb. 85 points for Connor McDavid. 21 goals, 64 assists. 64 assists. Riley Height. Leon Dreisettle. 27 goals, 41 assists. And the actual leading goal scorer for the Edmonton Oilers is not McDavid or Dreisettle. It's Zach Hyman. And yes, I remember he beat us earlier in the year. 34 goals on the year, 53 points in 52 games, only 19 assists, but 34 goals. Evander Kane has been around, good for him. Um, 21 goals and 14 assists for 35 points. He's not dominating or anything crazy, but still doing well. Uh, Yes, and I already talked about Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He's the only hurt guy for Edmonton, and I'm being respectful here. I don't like to jinx anybody. It's not nice. Stuart Skinner, goals against average, 2.66. Save percentage, 9.03. And two shutouts on the season. Kelvin Picard, 2.8 goals against average with a single shutout and a 91 save percentage. Not too bad. 7-2 and two on the year is Kelvin Picard. Jack Campbell has not had a good run. Unfortunately, 4.50 goals against average. But, yeah, it's pretty much been Picard, the former uh, Los Angeles King. Stuart Skinner has been solid for... Edmonton, and of course they've been surging for quite a while, cooling off a little bit now. Still, according to others, you know, to like certain groups out there, they are favored to win the cup. They won't, though. <laughs> I mean, it'd, it'd be cool to see, I suppose, but I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I just don't know. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. It's one of those kind of things. It really is. I mean, they always disappoint in the playoffs, don't they? <sighs> who am I to, who am I to brag about <laughs> about us or anything? But. Yeah, um, I don't know. Are the Wild going to win this game? Nah, nah. It's going to be like similar to the last one, like four to. We'll go with a four to two loss to the Edmonton Oilers. <sighs> nah, four to three, maybe even five to three. I think the Wild score goals, but I think we give up goals. It's going to be kind of like that, higher scoring game. So it'll probably be one nothing Edmonton. But no, I'm going to say a five to three Edmonton victory, empty netter possibly by whoever it is. Maybe a healthy Ryan Nugent Hopkins if he plays. Otherwise, the most likely guy to score for Minnesota among the three goals is going to continue to be Jewel Erickson Eck. I think it's going to be Jewel Erickson Eck scoring for Minnesota. He's going to near number 30, which will be pretty damn cool. But the Wild do not beat the Edmonton Oilers. I don't know what's happening here. It's driving me nuts. Seattle Kraken. The Seattle Kraken, as I'm saying their name correctly, which is great. Eh, you know, uh, Joey Decord's been a nice find this year, hasn't he? Where did he come from? Damn, he's he's good. Philip Grubauer, what a bust. What an absolute bust. Coming from, the uh, you know, a Stanley Cup contender, definitely looking to do something special, but he just was disappointing with the, uh, color, you know, after leaving Colorado and going to Seattle to open up their franchise, you think, oh, man, this team's going to be good right away, just like the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, that type of thing. Man, well, they had good success last year, generally speaking, but they really did. I mean, they were a threat, and it was fun to watch. 
but I don't know. Joey Decord, 16 and 11. Goals against average, 2.37. And two shutouts on the year, 92 save percentage. We'll see how Joey Decord continues. Uh, Jared McCann is leading the club in scoring with 41 points, 24 goals as well. Oliver Bjorkstrand, I'm actually saying it correctly, <laughs> uh, 13 goals, 28 assists on the season, 41 points. Vince Dunn, former St. Louis Blue, pretty sure he's got a cup there, if I remember correctly. Eight goals and 32 assists, 40 total points for Vince Dunn. Jordan Eberle's definitely been, you know, he's just not as good this year. Jaden Schwartz was on the Blues as well. Adam Larson, the former Oiler. Yeah, I mean, the numbers are not great at all, honestly. They're just not. But again, who am I to brag? But it's not like we're, you know, tearing the world. <laughs> we're not setting the world on fire either when it comes to the Minnesota Wild and scoring. But, well, certain guys are. I guess Kaprizov and Jules Sinek are, are having wonderful seasons, generally speaking. But, um, yeah, Seattle... Well, they've, they've kept the scores relatively low, but they're not really winning games either, that kind of thing. 3-2 uh, to two loss to Philly, 3-1 to one loss to New Jersey. At the Islanders, they won 2-1 to one in the shootout. Basically, it was 1-1, one one and they won in the shootout. The uh, Kraken beat Boston in Boston 4-1. to one. That's one of their best wins of the year, easily, and then lost to Detroit. Like, I don't know, a lot of people are losing to Detroit lately. 4-3 to three at, the, uh, at Seattle. Against, the, against Detroit, they'll be playing Vancouver tonight, and then Minnesota in a couple days, so we'll see how that turns out. This should be a win, I think. I don't know, it's not like the best matchup in the world. The Kraken, here we go, no injuries. Being respectful, no injuries. <laughs> I'm just being respectful, sorry. 3-1 uh, to one win over Seattle, remember that earlier in the season, that was a nice day. That was a very nice day. Uh, Saturday, February the 24th, and then Thursday, all the way up at the end of the year, April the 18th, in Exxon Energy Center. So, I think there's a pretty good chance the Wild sweep Seattle this year, actually. I think they sweep them. I think they win the uh, XL Energy game much later in the season as well. <sighs> Seattle's 28th in goals, but 7th in goals against, thank you, Joey Decord. 2.37 goals against average. That's what could make things interesting. Um, it really could. Uh, the Wild beat Decord in that game. I remember that was kind of surprising. But again, when Seattle doesn't score a single goal, I mean, what the hell are you going to do? 17th on the power play, 17th in the penalty kill. 5th in penalty minutes. They stay out of the box. So big respect to Hackstall's club there in uh, Seattle. So, um, yeah, he was on the Minnesota Moose, wasn't he? Isn't that crazy? He was on the Minnesota Moose. Remember them? They played, what, only two years here? And it's like, oh, boy, we're going to steal the, the Winnipeg Jets. They're going to be the Minneapolis Jets. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have them and so on and so forth. No, they moved to Phoenix. And guess what? Guess what? Screw you, Minnesota. The Moose are leaving to Winnipeg. What do you think of that? Nah, 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 boo-boo. That's pretty much what happened all those years ago. But it's just it's interesting when you look at the roster, though, on that team. Uh, Stefan Moran, you know, um, God rest his soul. He died in 1998 at age 29 of a heart attack. Stefan Moran, who led the league in scoring and happened to be on the Minnesota Moose when he did. Pretty wild. Um... But yeah, Dave Haxtell was on that team. It's so freaking weird. It's so weird. <laughs> Dave Christian. I mean, there was all kinds of names. Stuart Gavin. It was so cool. Um, I always get a kick out of when I look at that. I'm like, oh my God. It's a, it was a really cool like team, honestly. Moose Morissette. Who could forget that guy? <laughs> He's one of those guys who'd score one goal a year, basically. But, you know, 300 penalty minutes. Basil McCray, eat your heart out. One of those kind of guys back in the good old days. So I thought I'd go down memory lane for a minute because Dave Haxtell. I was like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> but with all that said, the Wild will beat the Seattle Kraken. We're going to get Kraken. 
with our uh, pistachios, and it's going to be a 3-1 to one victory for Minnesota. Uh, we're going to see Marco Rossi continue his uh, solid surge, his point streak, unless he doesn't score any points versus uh, um, Edmonton. But Marco Rossi will continue playing well at the very least versus the 23-21 and 11 Seattle Kraken on the season. 11 shootout slash overtime losses of the year. Not been good to them, but Rossi will factor in the scoring one way or another, and the Wild win versus the Kraken. Oh boy, and then we get to play the Carolina Hurricanes. Remember them? It's like, I don't know, some of us forgot. Uh, I had the Kraken and the Hurricanes skating in the cup final with the Hurricanes winning. I pick, I, I pick, I swear, I pick uh, Carolina to win the cup every year, and I'm wrong every single year, and I'm going to be wrong again. Unless, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm going to be wrong again. Let's just leave it as it is. The Carolina Hurricanes, second in the Metropolitan Division, 33-17-5. and uh, Kuchikov, nice. Uh, <laughs> nice one. Uh, 2.46 goals against average, two shutouts on the year. Save percentage of only 90.5, but so he's kind of a hot and cold, but when he's hot, he's really hot, that type of thing, because 2.46 goals against average is insanely impressive, but also, again, maybe he doesn't face a whole lot of shots. Anti Ranta's been awful, to say the least. Almost three goals a game, but the 87.2 is like, what's up with that? So it's like when teams shoot against the Carolina Hurricanes, they make a count. One shout-out for Anti Ranta, who, you know, I've always kind of liked him, but he's not having a good year. Seth Jarvis, who was taken in that uh, Marco Rossi draft back in 2020, definitely a tough guy, and he's a good player. 46 points on the season, second on the team in scoring but also does rack up some penalty minutes, and he's got a lot of hits. He doesn't get that many penalty minutes, but he has a lot of hits. He's a physical guy. Sebastian Ahu with uh, Ahu or whatever, 49 points on the se- 59 points on the season with 20 goals and 39 assists to lead the club in both categories. Uh, Tevo Terevinen has definitely dropped off the map. I don't know what happened to him. He was so good, but kind of oft injured along the years. Brent Burns isn't uh, as much of an offensive a juggernaut as he was in the past, but still 31 points, which is only two points behind uh, uh, Brock Faber on the season, which is the darndest thing. Actually, Brock Faber has more points than Brent Burns. Isn't that the weirdest thing? <laughs> but it's, it's weird, but it's still solid. Like, 31 points is still solid by Brent Burns. Still might have wound up with almost 50 or more by the end of the year, depending on how things go with Carolina as the year progresses. Sorry, dealing with a flimsy uh, microphone stand. It's not good. It's damaged. If somebody would like to help me with something like that someday, a small donation to help me get a new microphone stand or something. Anything, anything, please. Three cents. Okay, sorry. Uh, what the hell am I talking about? But uh, who knows? Maybe Carolina will have a, uh, a huge playoff run. But I don't know. Every year they're disappointing at the end of the day. It's kind of sad. Uh, disappointing when the playoffs roll around. But still a very talented team, and the Wild usually don't play well against them. It's just a fact. Uh, didn't think, you know, we, we did. That's right. We did beat them 5-2 to two earlier this year. That was during that nice surge. We've had a couple of surges this season. That was arguably one of the most impressive wins of the year. I remember thinking, like, damn, that was good. That was really a nice game. 5-2 to two in versus Carolina. This one's coming into Excel Energy Center. I got a feeling they're going to return the favor. But it won't be as uh, lopsided, per se. But then again, I mean, I don't know. Was it that lopsided? It just became lopsided, I guess, as the game progressed. Uh, Carolina is playing pretty well. Uh, one to nothing win versus the Joyzy Devils. 4-2 loss at Dallas. 5-1 at Arizona. 3-1 to at Vegas. Yep, recently here. And a 6-3 to demolition versus the Black Hawks in North Carolina. 
the Wild have had some have been playing well, generally speaking. That's why we're actually kind of in playoff contention. But um, well, I kind of think Carolina is going to win, like four to two, something along the lines of that. Four to two win, most likely got a score for Minnesota is going to be Faber. Faber is going to break his drought at some point, but he's going to actually score a goal in the game. Unfortunately, the Wild did not win. The team comparison and stats and all that. Carolina is 11th in goals, 7th in goals against. 3rd in the power play, and 3rd in the penalty kill. They do not mess around. They have a great special team. They have great special teams in Carolina. 14th in penalty minutes. <coughs> so they generally stay out of the box, but do a hell of a job on special teams. Both sides of the equation, which could factor mightily towards a playoff front. So maybe this is the year Carolina goes on a massive playoff run and goes to the final. Maybe. Maybe. Because I don't think anybody in the Eastern Conference is some shoe-in to go all the way to the final. Like, anybody could, you know, any of these high-end teams could win the Cup this year. Vegas might go back-to-back. Carolina might win for the first time in, you know, 18 years. Um, But, I mean, it has to be one of the top ones. Like, maybe Boston finally breaks through, but they probably won't. (laughs) Toronto, well, yeah, right. Just, I'll believe it when I see it when it comes to Toronto, that type of thing. It's the greatest season as Austin Matthews is having. It doesn't, you know, do something in the postseason for once, please. I mean, they finally got out of the first round last year, but didn't do anything after that, did they? It is what it is, but uh, yes, I've talked about, uh, I've made my point. I think the Wild go one and two this course of the week, so <coughs> pardon me. I'm in trouble breathing all of a sudden, which is really annoying, but uh, there's no real reason for it or anything. But uh, we're going to jump into the prospects as soon as possible here. I'm going to look at the Iowa Wild first, as I tend to do, but also pulling up other things on the fly. Oh, boy. Uh, there's Sir. Obviously, Damon Hunt, I believe he finally got something going. Nope, he's still at 11 points over the course of the season. Iowa just keeps losing games. It's it's annoying. Like, they'll throw in a win here and there, but it's like one out of three. It's just, you know, like the whole one and two thing. That seems to be the Iowa Wild. Carson Lambos did get his ninth assist of the season, now 12 points overall during his uh, time in Iowa, this course of the year in 47 games, though. He's the leading scoring defenseman. <clears throat> Damon Hunt has played only 29 games and has 11 points. He'd probably be leading the defenseman in scoring had he been down there more rather than in the freaking press box in Minnesota. Like, a lot of good that did. You know, it's like, yeah, he's up here. That's good. But then freaking play him instead of, you know, the same old two players or particularly the same one player. We haven't been seeing Goligoski anymore, which I'm just feeling terrible about that. Not. Uh, Adam Beckman's been playing pretty darn well. He's been factoring most of the time. 13 goals, 12 assists. Uh, Nicholas Patan is leading the club in scoring. Big surprise. Uh, at age 28, though, 40 uh, total points for Nick Patan. Sam Walker, Sammy Walker, 31 points, 10 goals, 21 assists. He does get the assists over the course of the year, and the occasional goal. I remember at the beginning of the year, he was mostly assists for, for Walker, but that has certainly picked up of late. Generally speaking, though, Iowa is pretty disappointing. Um, Valstead, if, if that's how we're supposed to say it now, yes, for Valstead, has improved. Obviously, again, he had that awful stretch. Remember, he gave up eight goals to the, uh, uh, the Silver Knights, the Henderson Silver Knights. That was ridiculous. The goals against average drops to 2.79 over the course of this week. But this was not a special week at all for the Iowa Wild. In fact, you could argue it was flat disappointing, to say the least. Adam Raska scored a goal in the Wilds uh, game last night. Second goal so far in Iowa in 26 games. Three total points for him. 
nobody's really standing out that much lately other than, again, like Walker and Beckman have been pretty good, and it's nice to see them right, right under uh, uh, Nick Patan. Obviously, Lucini was really damn good down there when he was in uh, Iowa. <clears throat> He's been pretty solid with the uh, Minnesota Wild, generally speaking. Milne's great skating ability, but, you know, not superly point productive of late, unfortunately. Uh, Mason Shaw is up with Minnesota, but hasn't been playing. Mason Shaw is up with the Minnesota Wild, but unfortunately is the popcorn maker at the moment, unfortunately. So at least he won't get hurt doing that, I hope. And I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. It's just, I don't know, poor, <laughs> I felt so bad about the injuries. So, I mean, <laughs> obviously, generally speaking, so maybe I am being a jerk, and I better cut that out. Kyle Masters. Look at the Iowa Hotlanders for the moment. Kyle Masters. Uh, Pavel Novak now eight goals, five assists, and 24 games with 13 total points for him. Kyle Masters, pretty solid, obviously, at the ECHL level. I'd rather see him at the AHL doing well, but, you know, it's you know there's a lot. It's kind of a stacked roster that isn't winning Jack Bleep in Iowa, which is really annoying. Like, there's players that are there, and... They're just kind of there in the way, in a way, in a sense. And Kyle Masters is like, okay, we'll get you more ice time with the the Heartliners instead of the the Iowa Wild. Two goals, seven assists so far for Kyle Masters in 15 games, and he is a defenseman, racking up the points with the Heartliners. And so that's always nice to see. What is he like? The th he's like the third or fourth leading scoring defenseman, and, and in only 15 games, so not bad <laughs> actually. So. And again, this is the whole thing of being sent down to double-A and hitting a couple home runs and raising that batting average. And that's pretty much what Kyle Masters is doing. And, of course, learning the game as well, not just about offense when you're a defenseman. So, obviously, that's super important going forward. Liam Ugrin, Ugrin, play in Sweden. Pardon me. <clears throat> is at, uh, well, he's, yeah... Well, he's yep, he's now at 10 points, 7 goals, 3 assists. He did have a decent week in 18 games so far in Sweden. 7 goals, 3 assists for Liam Ugrin thus far in Sweden. Like I've said a thousand times, and if anybody's you know new kind of to paying attention to that, that Ogren did miss a ton of time at the beginning of the year with a shoulder injury, and he was captain of his team in the uh, World Junior Classics. Danila Yurov, 47 points in 59 games, so no games played of late for Danila Yurov, but a lot of people do consider him the top prospect in the entire organization. So that's always a wonderful thing. At the end of the day, the Huznadinov watch continues. 47 games in Sochi. 47 games, 6 goals, 11 assists for 17 total points. But there is a Huznadinov watch as we get further and further now into February. We're almost there. As we might hear about Huznadinov skating for the Minnesota Wild in the not-too-distant future. We'll see how things go again, and there might be some kind of a trade of somebody along the way to make room for Maratuz Nadinov, who I got to think is going to have some, some decent success here in Minnesota. In um, Sochi, they were basically, you know, they were limiting his, limiting his minutes because they're like, well, we want these other guys to play since you're not going to be here. It's kind of like a, you know, it's just like a you know negative attitude, that kind of thing. But that's how they roll over there. That just It just is. It sucks, but that's their choice, I guess. <laughs> I already talked about Pavel Novak and most of these other guys. Uh, Nate Benoit, still one point in only 13 games for uh, North Dakota Fighting Hawks, as they like to call them. Jack Pert, as he's getting more in college now. 
St. Cloud State Huskies, three uh, three goals, seven assists for 10 points for Pert in 28 games so far for the Huskies, who are, again, national contenders. I don't see them winning any national title or anything, but uh, maybe I'm wrong for their sake. We'll see how things go. The Gophers, gosh, that, well, what did they lose? Six to one to freaking Notre Dame, but then thankfully came back with a uh, overtime win versus Notre Dame the next night. But in a lot of ways, that's losing the series because there was not a regulation win. And they got their butts handed to them the night before. So it's very disappointing, actually, to be quite frank. I want the Gophers to go very far, and I want them to win the damn thing. It's, it's just it's just a fact. I want the Gophers to win the national title. Um, I'm always kind of curious where things go. I mean, after a week like that, yeah, Minnesota did stay eighth. So fortunate there. Quinnipiac, yikes, seventh. Not Quinnipiac again. Oh, right? <laughs> the Gophers had them beat. Cooley couldn't finish uh, to make it a uh, 3-1 to one game, and things went the wrong way after that. They just did. Boston College is number one with a bullet. Great. Boston College and Boston University, one and two. Uh, that looks so familiar. And Denver, number three. Oh, for God's sakes. Really? No. Denver and then Boston College and BC and BU. Ah, uh, get out of here. Seriously. Maine, number nine, that's where the Gophers, you know, ended our drought against way, way, way back in 2002. Oh, God, Boston College, Boston University in Denver. Oh, heaven help us. North Dakota's fourth. Oh, oh I'm going to vomit. No, please, I don't want any of them to win. The only reason I choose for, like, cheer for Boston College or Boston University is if it's, like, against Denver. Yay, that's about it. Otherwise, eh, you know what I mean? North Dakota, yeah, I'd cheer against North Dakota, yes. Sorry, I don't like North Dakota. Sorry, I just don't. Uh, St. Cloud, no, they're not that good. They're 15th. It's like my head is just spinning all over the place. Let's move on. Colorado College, yeah, I remember them back, you know, it seems like the 1990s when they were really a, a huge threat and things really quieted down after Tom Lucia left, of all things. And then, I don't know, it's kind of weird. They never really recovered much after that with a few exceptions here and there. Let's get back to where I need to be. Petrovsky, Servak Petrovsky out of Slovakia. Uh, he is a center. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think he's taken a step back this year offensively at the very least. And yeah, he's a minus 10 versus a plus 4 last year for the Owen Sound attack. So, uh, yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe he's not really behind. I, I say this every week. He's yeah, 13 goals, 29 assists, 42 points. Well, at least he played well in the, the World Juniors. He, he, he really did. Spachek, 39 games at the AHL level. Six points, two goals, four assists. But at least he's been factoring a little bit of late. So that's nice. Ryan Haley from Harvard. Again, the big step forward this year from last. Nine goals, 12 assists, 21 points versus only eight last year. 25 games this year. So pretty impressive. And he is a defenseman. Rager Lorenz, again, kind of baby step forward this year. Eight goals, 10 assists, 18 points. Definitely not a huge step forward, but his plus-minus is higher, and Denver is a national threat, so they really are. They're a national threat, no matter how you shake it. Hunter Haight, this guy, I believe, take a, took a step back this year, honestly. Uh, he's scoring more goals. He's gotten more total points, but he's played in, like, what, 13 more games this year and only six more points, so I don't know. I think he took a step back this year. Not too impressed with uh, Hunter Haight. I'm just being blunt and honest with you. Uh, Jimmy Clark still only 9 points in 39 total games, but again, he's always a factor out there. You know, he's a factor defensively and physically. 
Kalen Parker with 32 points for the Moose Jaw Warriors in the WHL. He is a right shot defenseman. Um, might be an interesting pick here. We'll see 26 assists as well during the course of the season. Pionk <clears throat> for Duluth, who's not good this year, unfortunately for them. Two goals, 13 assists, 15 total points in 29 games. But it's about time Duluth kind of disappeared a little bit. Riley Hyde is nearing 100 points with 39 Goal, 30, 31 goals, pardon me, 64 assists for 95 total points in 54 games. He's definitely on pace for 100-plus in a magical season. But again, you don't want to get overhyped with him. Kumpelainen, Rasmus Kumpelainen, that is the center in the OHL, the Oshawa Generals, coming in out of Finland. 22 goals, 19 assists for 41 total points in 45 games. Charlie Stramel, which again, yeah, he's I've been good, and, and I know, and I can say it a million times. I have nothing great to offer, per se, about uh, analyzing Charlie Stramel's game, other than he doesn't look too good. That's all. He just doesn't look like a good draft pick at the moment. Things can change, and I I hope they do. But, I don't know, some, sometimes it just kind of is what it is. It's, he's not a good draft pick. That might be the case. Um, and he hasn't been so far. He hasn't been so far. This is his second year in Wisconsin. Obviously, they're a national threat. The Wisconsin Badgers are a national threat where a year ago they were meh at best. Uh, Hastings is doing a fantastic job. But uh, Stramel has not improved. Uh, other than he's he's uh, seven points better and it's plus minus. Instead of minus 10, he's minus three. And I don't know. Again, I don't have any expert analysis to give you about Charlie Stramel. But at the same, you know, but other than, you know, it is what it is. You're kind of seeing it. You're just kind of seeing it. And you're believing it, I guess, to a point of it's not good. That's all. That's what you're believing. With that said, we're going to take a quick break and come back and uh, get into fan interaction. here on Brave the Wild, segment number three, at Brave the Wild. At Brave the Wild is the Twitter account. And I've got to probably mention the uh, Instagram, though it is in the show description, the actual Instagram that I talk about every now and then. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really advertise it a whole lot on this uh, show. It is uh, Brave the Wild underscore MN. Brave the Wild underscore MN is the Instagram account. <clears throat> Pardon me. And it is in the show description. Also, again, the show is on YouTube now, but just in audio form, or it's just the logo and all that, or whatever the particular show logo might be. So there's that. <sighs> Let's get to the point here. Okay, at Brave the Wild. And again, hashtag BTWMN is a great way to keep things organized. And yeah, uh, Derek Felska openings, opens things out with who does Mason Shaw replace? There were three choices with other. Uh, Freddie Goudreau, Jake Lucchini, Vinny Letary, or other, and of course, other, please reply. And uh, I came up with Freddie Goudreau. I wish he would. That's, that's just kind of I wish. He should. But it's probably Lucchini, and th that one did win the vote with 51.7%. Goudreau, 397 Vinny Letary, 69 and other, 1.7%. Yes, uh, Freddie Goudreau hasn't done jack bleep, but he's, you know, 
he's got a contract, and it is what it is. Lucini is kind of more of a, you know, he's kind of quad A-ish at the end of the day. As mean as that might sound, it's kind of the way it is. I like Lucini, but, you know, he, again, like I said, kind of more of a quad A type of a player at the end of the day. That's just an unfortunate uh, fact, you know, that I've babbled my head off. I'm trying to look at, yeah, he's only got two points in 15 games. It's not like Lucini's lighting the world on fire either, but maybe you're seeing, like, a better overall effort, and that's kind of what the case has been. Uh, next, let's keep going. Sorry. I was saying let that sink in. Yep, Tom Hayen shared that Freddie G has one point in his last 17 games. That was as of Feb 18th, and he said, but Beckman got his chance. Yep. <laughs> See, it's just a joke, isn't it? And I was saying let that sink in. I said after today's barn burner, Jewel Erickson is on pace for 42 goals and 76 points. See if there's any replies here. Yes, uh, absolutely. Derek Pelska says Jewel Erickson is everything we wanted Miko Koivu to be, but better. Uh, uh, parentheses, more goal production, lower cap it. Yep. <laughs> About the only thing Koivu has is face-off prowess and just shootout move. But bang for the buck, Erickson Eck has produced more like a top six center than number nine did. I was telling him he hit the nail on the head. I was thinking the same. I mean, and what an amazing run. And I was saying that already Jules Erickson Eck has six more goals than Miko Koivu ever did in a season. Pretty crazy. Steve Miller responds with, I, ha I had to miss that crazy third until Vancouver started taking silly penalties one after another. They had the game in hand. Yeah, oh, they did. They were killing us. But then we smoked them into another county. And then I put the poll out. When, when all is said and done, who is the better player? Hashtag BGWMN. Nico Koivu or Jewel Erickson Eck. Are you ready for the Ronald Reagan versus Walter Mondale landslide? Or uh, whoever. 92.8 for Jules Erickson Eck, 7.2 versus Koivu. And it isn't trying to kick Koivu, you know, down or anything. It's just the way it is. Multiple replies. Rick seems to kind of be semi-annoyed with what I said here. He says, uh, you had better people around him. <laughs> Meaning, uh, Eck has the luxury of playing with the best player in franchise history. So, of course, it would be Eck. But with no caprice up on this team, I doubt Eck would be lighting it up like he is. But my response was that they didn't really even play together that much, though. So, I mean, Julek Sinek was pretty good with uh, the other guys as well. And his his career has been blossoming for a while. Uh, Kaprizov really didn't, excuse me, Ek didn't really play with Kaprizov much until this year. And, and even still, it is pretty recent. Um, Stephen Miller says, we already know. Sorry, Miko. Um, hockey guy says, Ek not even close. C... Two says, uh, Koivu is among the most overrated players in franchise history. I agree. I agree. J.E.E. will outproduce him and do so while making less. Retiring Koivu's number simply because he was the first captain is still puzzling. Yep, you're, you're not alone on that. <laughs> Believe me, and I, I kind of agree a little bit there. Yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> the Derek Felska lightning round hath returned. Let's get rolling with the lightning round. It says, uh, why do you think the Minnesota Wild demoted Marco Rossi and not Ryan Hartman? Is it simply because Hartman makes more money and they feel they have to justify it? Blackmail, blackmail material or what? I don't get it either. I have no idea. It, is it money? Is it just uh, changing things up? It's weird. Um, at least Rossi has been playing better, though. Maybe it was to kind of wake him up a little bit because Rossi was quiet, and then all of a sudden he's playing better. So that is definitely a factor at the end of the day. 
So there's definitely that. But uh, with that said, yes, uh, <laughs> at least he's playing better, I guess. But at the end of the day, yeah, it it does not make any sense other than maybe it was a other than to light a fire under Rosie, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of weird, but something's happening with it. Uh, here we go. Merritt Huznadinov's KHL season is about to come to an end with Sochi. He has said multiple times he plans to play hockey in North America. What odds do you give him signing a contract with the Minnesota Wild, a player near Minnesota or Iowa this season? Very, very good, apparently. From, you know, Russo seems pretty convinced he's going to be here. So, yeah, I would say Merritt Huznadinov will be in North America this year. Maybe, with, I mean, with Minnesota might seem a little far-fetched, but, it, you know... I think, I don't know. Could that be some some of the reason why they're messing around with Ryan Hartman? Maybe to try to showcase him? I don't know, because uh, maybe I'm being a little bit out of out of line here by saying that. It's all Ryan Hartman. He's a fixture in this franchise, you know, you know that type of thing. Well, the, the, with the contract they gave him, you'd think he was. <laughs> now, nudge, nudge with the way I worded that. Um that's probably not related at all, is it? But uh, Merritt Huznetinov, I I do believe he plays in North America one way or another, hopefully with Minnesota at the end of the day. Uh, there, There's no reason why he sh why uh, we shouldn't be able to make some kind of move to get him in the lineup, hopefully not messing around with the wrong people. Like, obviously, you don't even touch Rossi. He needs to be on the second line one way or another. I mean, moving him to the third made no sense at all, third or fourth line at all. Um, Huznetinov should probably... Again, um, be manning one of those positions at some point in the not too distant future. But I will, if if I'm a betting man with uh, DraftKings and such, I'll say who's Nadinov plays with the Minnesota Wild this year. Yep, one way or another, he's going to have some kind of debut. Debut. Uh, Morty says 100% if he gets his visa. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts on the play of Declan Chrisom uh, so far? I like him. Uh, he is a puck mover like advertised. Uh, Morty responds with, uh, he looked better and better each game. The kid has skills, speed, stick handling, quick, smart puck movements, and retrievals. Retrievals, pardon me. He plays well out front. As a reminder, they kept Logan Stanley to try and get Chrisom, though, uh, through waivers. Idiots. So, yes, I think the Wild did luck out with this one, and it's about time we did luck out with something. Occasionally we do. I mean, didn't we get Spurgeon for basically nothing? So, Maybe look at it that way, I guess. Yeah, yes, Spurgeon, the same guy that's <laughs> trying to run out of town lately because of the contract and the injuries and not being nearly as good as he was about two, three years ago. Um, yeah, Chrisom does look like a really nice pickup. Uh, again, like you said, a good puck mover. I think he's an NHL defenseman. I do. Uh, as for being like a star or anything, I don't know. But I do think he's an NHL defenseman. Obviously not a star, but... Uh, could he be a top four guy? Possibly, but at very least he could be an, an outstanding uh, bottom pair at the end of the day. So he's certainly an upgrade versus John Merrill, uh, Alex Goligoski. I think Chrisom means that Goligoski's probably not going to hardly play anymore for Minnesota at all, and that he could finally go off into the sunset at the end of the day. Because there's, you bring back, yeah, we're not going to, we're not going to bring back Goligoski. That's just idiotic <laughs> for me to even mention that. Derek Felska says, who is the one non-NHL athlete you'd like to say, see play hockey, especially if you knew they played when they were younger? Oh, boy. Anthony Edwards. No, I'm kidding. He even he, he joked about it, but I don't think he ever played actual hockey, especially if I knew they played. Connor Bedard. Look at this guy. <laughs> Morty. 
Yeah, that's funny. Jeez, uh, the one non-athlete you'd like to see play hockey, especially if you know they played hockey when they were younger. Um, probably uh, Justin Morneau. Justin Morneau, he definitely did play hockey. And you can tell he kind of had a passion for it. He did, or even like a Joe Maurer, as weird as that. Yeah, like a, like a Joe Maurer. I could imagine him being good at it. He probably would have been. You know, unfortunately, the damn concussions as a catcher, but, you know, it's like ho- hockey's not going to help that. But just imagining if he didn't have that issue later in, his, you know, as his career progressed and such midway through and all that and beyond. Uh, same with Morneau. Obviously, he had a massive concussion. It was, but it, it was a knee going right into his forehead. Um, that was really messed up. Uh, not intentional, but kind of sliding in and boom, getting a knee in the forehead. And unfortunately, the son of a gun was never the same. Um, God, he was good. Justin Morneau, I think, would be a wonderful uh, non-athlete hockey player. Uh, non, Non-NHL athlete is what I'm trying to say. I can't even talk right. I'm so crazy. Uh, Rock Ridge needed four overtimes to defeat the Forest Lake Rangers in the boys' Section 7 AA quarterfinals. What is the most crazy hockey game you've ever witnessed in person or watched on TV a computer? Wasn't there a game that went on for like eight overtimes or something? It was like ridiculous, like like recently, right? Oh, my God. But there, yeah, there was an old, old high school game even back in the 90s, I think, that went on forever. Did it involve like not... I don't think... or. Was Hermantown in a game like that recently? I just, I don't have like a clear memory, but I know there was a game that just, it just kept going. Oh, oh was there, was it a college game? My brain is just stopping. I, I think it was an NCAA tournament game, and I know there was a, there was a high school game that went on and on and on recently too. Like, like recently and then one way back in the good old days in the 90s that just went on forever. Really important one. Um, one of them might have been a state championship game, and I can't even imagine the emotions and all of that. Um, even just the emotions of the national championship game between Minnesota and Maine back in 2002, that was just unbelievable, you know, and how the uh, Gophers were able to tie it up with like 38 seconds left. Just the emotion in that moment was unbelievable. Um, so much fun. Uh, that national championship game is the most memorable, no doubt, because obviously it was a national championship game. The Gophers hadn't won since the late 70s when I was born. And so I'm going to go with that one just for that sake. But I mean, I there are a couple, and I'm forgetting exactly the details as to who was playing in those games. But like it was overtime games that just went on and on and on. I think Duluth. It was Duluth. This might have been very recently, Duluth. Yep, it was a real... Yep, it just went on and on with Duluth. And it might have been versus the... Um, might have been versus uh, Boston... Uh, yeah, it might have been versus uh, UMass Lowell or something like that. Not not Lowell, but University of Massachusetts. It was something like that years ago. So I'm going to move on. I'm probably babbling too much here, but there's a lot of crazy games. But just for the memories, the national championship game, it was so dramatic. And even, you know, that was so beautiful. And it feels a lot better than that stupid Quinnipiac one. Tecmo Bowl. No, Tecmo had sports games on the NES that covered pro wrestling, baseball, basketball, soccer, but not hockey. Why not? If they did, do you think it would be as classic as Tecmo Bowl? I think it would have been great. Yeah, I think they would have done an awesome job. I think that would have been a great game. And I wish we got to see it because... 
you know, we have ice hockey, we have Blades of Steel. Those games are a lot of fun, and they bring up great memories. But <clears throat> Tecmo Hockey might have been freaking cool. It would have definitely been a welcome member to the uh, the NES library uh, and all of that. Um, Tom Han, I'm going to go back to the section deal. Uh, the, uh, you know, like the craziest game ever. I just want to see what people are saying. Tom Han says, was in the press box. Oh, yeah, these are some good ones. Yep, uh, press box covering the Apple Valley Duluth East uh, 96 semis. That was a silly night. Yeah, it went on forever, right? Uh, Derek says, I remember watching that one at home. Elk Rivers versus Moorhead. That sounds really familiar, too. In the 94 uh, 8AA finals was pretty intense, too. Morty responds with, My son was in net at the Super Rink during a Bantam tournament that move on to the championship game. 17 rounds of shootouts. Holy crap. Duluth East versus Apple Valley was crazy with OTs. Yep. Yeah, there was some high school. That's probably the one that's coming back to me from way back in the day, like early 90s, like 30 years ago. That just went on and on and on and on. Uh, Northern Michigan versus Boston U. Yeah, I I remember that. Wow. There was, uh, was there almost left uh, three OTs. But number one, not even close, Miracle on Ice. Okay, that's cool that you got to see that. Yep. You got to see it, huh? That must have been awesome. But then again, or like you could replay it, obviously, too. But still, Tom Hayen says, All bite, one less famous. Uh, Benil State Margaret Boys trailed Chen Hassan 6-3 with five minutes to go during the 17-18 season. Benil State Margaret scored three extra attacker goals to tie it up. And then the boy, number eight, scored with six seconds left to win the game. Wow, seven to six video and pick included. That's really cool. That's cool, Tom. Thank you for that. That's really cool. <laughs> and then Johan, uh, Monday's win versus the Canucks is up there for sure. Huskies beating the Goofers in the WCHA Frozen Five by eight to seven is up there too. The Goofers. How dare you? How dare you? Yes, I'm a rodent. Dang it, I'm a rodent and proud of it. Squeak, squeak. Okay, sorry. Uh. MN Johan, yep, okay, I just read that one. Jay Bushy, why do they struggle with top teams in the Central? Yep, we just stink at that. Yep, and thank you for getting back on the show. Always appreciate it. Uh, he says, uh, yeah, why do they always struggle with top teams in the Central? I don't know. It's just, it's been a tough matchup forever, hasn't it? Dallas and Dallas, Winnipeg. Winnipeg, it's like off and on every year. One year we're really good versus Winnipeg, the next year we suck against them. As for Colorado and Dallas, it's just all the time. We always suck against those teams. Even 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 if they're having a down year, they still beat us. But generally speaking, when Dallas and Colorado are good, they just, you know, they give us a hell of a time every single year. It just kind of is what it is. It's like they it's like they know us well and they know how to beat us, that type of thing, and we're not uh, matching up to them, plain and simple. We're just not. That's kind of how I look at it. So that's going to wrap up Fan Interaction. That was a lot of fun, and I really appreciate it, and Going back down memory lane a bit with some of those old, old high school games and even college. I mean, there's some great ones. So that was a lot of fun. Sorry if I've been kind of jumbled and weird. I don't know. I'm kind of, I don't know if I'm lacking in sleep or what my deal is. But uh, so I apologize if I came off as a little weird like I tend to on some of these shows. Um, hopefully, hopefully uh, you still enjoyed it and you'll be willing to tell your friends about it and recommend it to you uh, to them. But also, uh, just want to give huge shout-outs to MNW Prospects or Young Guns. Obviously, love you guys so very much. Pavel Burnett, Justin Baki, 
Um, Chad Walski uh, was a part of it before, but Chad Walski for sure is on uh, Minnesota Wild Global with uh, Mr. Scott Cavendish leading the way there. Uh, Kathy Main, David Abraham, David and Chance Kostick. Yep, Chad Walski, like I mentioned, Michael Fick and others on there. It's a really nice page. Also, Patrick Turner leads the way for Minnesota Wild Nation coming out of Florida. Really appreciate you very much. I know there's some Floridian listeners to this show, and I really appreciate you. Um, even one from Florida that shocked the heck out of me. I don't know if he actually listened, but maybe because he followed the Twitter account uh, a few years back. Mario Andretti, just in case you're listening, you know, shout out of the century to you. Just in case you're listening, Mario Andretti, <laughs> it would be cool if you tweeted me to say hello. Yes, I do listen or something along those lines. Maybe he did once or twice in the past. I don't know, but the Mario Andretti. Yes, it's the real Twitter account, and he did follow Brave the Wild. I almost fell out of my chair. No, I, I was walking around at the beach at the Medicine Lake, and I'm like, this can't be real. No, it's not real. What? No. I was just shocked beyond belief. <laughs> I almost fell over. So it's like, oh, it's like Mario Andretti's a wild fan because he followed a few wild Twitters. I was just shocked. So uh, maybe a couple other shows and such, but I, I was just shocked to see that. Uh, so really cool. Um, but uh, got the shout outs out there. Just really appreciate all of you. Really, uh, again, tell your friends about the show. Please give a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of those that allow you to do so. Please do. It really helps. Uh, the show needs more algorithms like any other show does. As uh, there's, there's no, no, nobody's feeling sorry for anybody else. Everybody's kind of like uh, kicking each other's butt out there. And I get the feeling my show is getting its butt kicked by others out there. So could use a little love. Would really appreciate it. With that said, thank you so much. And we will talk to you soon. And, uh, well, go draft pick, I guess. 